Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Remastered Podcast. Today's episode five, our topic is how do I unlock the potential I have within myself? Today's guest is Sheikh Hasib Noor. Welcome, Sheikh. How are you today? Alaikum I'm doing well, alhamdulillah. Enjoying Ramadan. Uh, sad that it's almost over, but uh, knowing that the best part is in the last part. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, subhanAllah, just time flies by so quickly. Um, mm. And it's, uh, it's very bittersweet. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. A little bit about uh, Sheikh Hasib Noor. He is the founder and president of the Legacy Institute, which is an education and research institution for Islamic studies. He is um, also an instructor with Al-Maghrib Institute and Qalab Institute. He's among the founders of Faith uh, Global, a, which is a global Muslim platform for creating community spaces that provide welcoming, non-judgmental, warm, relevant Islam and practical spirituality. These uh, faith community spaces have been founded in London, Austin, Ottawa, New York City, and San Diego. MashaAllah, that's great news. Um, or the next time I'm in Austin to, to make a quick visit. Um, I was just there recently. And um, I didn't know, but inshallah, the next time I'm there. Or San Diego is close to where I grew up, so maybe even San Diego might be a good option. Um, a little bit uh, on about his background. He um, hails from Afghan heritage. He grew up in the U.S. and studied at the College of Islamic Law in the University of Medina. He pursued his studies in the city of the Prophet ﷺ for over a decade under the tutelage of over 50 scholars specializing in fiqh, fatwa, hadith, tafsir, history, sirah, and the Islamic sciences. MashaAllah, Sheikh Hasib, a lot under your belt. I look forward to today's session and getting to learn from you. Even though it might be a short um, segment, I feel like um, there's always room for learning something new. I really appreciate having you here today. Uh, we'll conclude your, your bio with um, your affiliation is with the Center for Historical Studies of Medina and is part of Taiba Research, the Society of Archaeology and Historical Sites of Medina, and you serve as an educational consultant. So mashallah, a hefty CV there, um, Sheikh Hasib. Uh, welcome, and thank you for being here today. So we'll uh, dive right in uh, into the topic at hand, uh, reminding our listeners that uh, today's session, we're going to talk about how to unlock the potential I have within myself. And uh, Sheikh, if you could speak a little bit to um, what's holding us back from pursuing our fullest potential. Alhamdulillah, um, First of all, for you all having me. Uh, it's an honor. Um, honestly, I think a lot of times we talk about um, the idea of, you know, there's always uh, things that we aren't doing um, or things that we need to do um, and have this kind of like checklist mentality when it comes to our faith. Um, but in reality, one of the things that we need to just really look at is what's stopping us from fully achieving what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us in terms of faculty and ability and potential. Um, and I'll tell you all through a story. Um, when I was studying um, psychology in uh, university, uh, I studied in Texas, and um, my, our teacher, our professor, Marshall, she was like a, a well-established therapist, uh, she asked us to take uh, what's known as the Minnesota Personality Exam, um, 16personalities.com, for those of you who want to take it. Uh, there's now other uh, personality tests which are much more comprehensive, like the HEXA, and others. But any case, and she said, do a, um, after you've taken that test, do a analysis of your personality and what you think you can work on and what you think, you know, you, you can analyze about your own self. And I honestly recommend this for everybody who's uh, looking into potential 
um, you know, getting to know somebody. It's really, it's really nice to have conversations around it, um, especially from like a premarital perspective. Uh, but in any case, uh, so I did it and uh, I had a, a certain personality, which basically um, it, it's, it, they called it one of more unique personalities, etc. And I just, when I looked at some of those uh, characteristics that the psychological study kind of discussed, I wrote an, I wrote an essay that I find that there's really nothing that I feel can be an obstacle in my life except myself. That the greatest, um, I think, you know, thing to overcome is my own potential, not, not fulfilling to the potential that I can. And when I gave this to uh, to my professor, she 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 looked at it. She said that you know what, this this is actually something that um, I, the vast majority of of human beings need to actually come to a realization of if they would like to overcome any kind of uh, problem they have in their life is understanding that their only weakness and the greatest weakness, in fact, is yourself. So this idea that you're the only one who truly is stopping yourself from fulfilling your potential and the idea that we can be our own worst enemies is incredibly important for us to remind ourselves constantly when we're always to uh, being told um, that if you do this, you will, you know, you'll get why this kind of like return of investment mentality when it comes to faith. But the idea is if you, if you really understand what, what are the things that stopping you from fulfilling that, um, it gets you, you know, beyond it in, in a number of ways that I think we'll have in this discussion, inshallah. I think that's very um, interesting the way you put it, that we can be our worst enemies. Um, and that's such a um, humbling reminder that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he believes in our potential more than we believe in ourselves. And so to have that tawakkul and confidence that um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-knowing, uh, that's a great reminder to have. Right. Uh, and subhanAllah, you know, when, when you mentioned that Allah believed in our potential more than ourselves, this is actually mentioned in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in, in the beginning of, of Surah Al-Baqarah, when, uh, remember when your Lord Muhammad Sallallahu said to the angels that I'm going to place a, su a successor on this earth. Uh, a and Khalifa has the um, understanding of a successor, a leader, a representative, and a deputy. So this idea I will create and they will be placed on this earth that will succeed. What are they succeeding? The deen of Allah, this faith. Um, and the angels actually questioned us. They questioned our potential. They questioned you know, our ability. Uh, by saying, they asked, oh Allah, will you place someone who will spread corruption and also shed blood while we're the ones already glorifying you and your praises and sanctify, uh, sanctify you? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded, I know what you don't know. So here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the very beginning of the Quran already is telling us that he knew that there would be many righteous people who do good, make peace and stand up for justice, that he believed in us even before we believed in ourselves. So the notion here is that Allah Azawajal believes in our potential, this idea that I believe in a potential that you even do, do not know. Um, and hence, when human beings don't fulfill that potential, it's almost like they're their own greatest limitations or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us to you know, overcome and to live up to that potential. So. Um, that's very... Well said, I think that as you mentioned, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's telling us um, he believes in a potential that we do not know and that we are great, our greatest limitation. And so um, if you could speak a little bit to how we could cultivate that potential that we might not uh, think we have or we are scared to embrace, 
what's the best way to begin um, the process of growing or, or growing ourselves or changing for the better? I mean, that, that's, uh, the, that's the rational next step, right? Or the idea is, okay, so everybody knows that we have a potential. How do we overcome it and cultivate that kind of potential? Um, one of the interesting things when it comes to Ramadan, it said that, of course, uh, we all know that the major shayateen or the large shaytans are shackled in Ramadan. Um, but there's an ayah in the Quran, which is very, very interesting when it comes to the dynamic of where we control our guidance and what we decide to do in terms of righteousness or not. And that's where Allah subhanahu wa sort of off uh, an interesting discussion that happens between um, a person and uh, a qareen. Qareen is a shaytan that's dedicated to you that basically uh, uh, tries to influence you to do evil. So that argumentation that happens in front of Allah subhanahu wa is both uh, blaming the other for that uh, the, the evil that they committed. So the person will say, well, the, the Qareen was the one who told me to do it. And then the Qareen responds and says something very powerful. He says, That devil associate or that, that shaitan that's been uh, made as a companion for that person will say, our Lord, I didn't make them transgress. I only influenced them. I only tried to uh, tell them. But rather, I found them more misguided than, than I, what I tried to influence them by. Meaning what? The person themselves actually sometimes will do such a, uh, an, an amount of evil or misguide uh, in, in, in terms of their own misguidance that even their own shaitan will say, hey, I didn't even think of that. So the, the notion here is that a person can either seek the path of guidance or uh, they can misguide themselves to such an extent that even shaitan's influence will not be a factor. So the notion here is that you don't allow yourself to not live up to who you, you know, who you look up to, who you admire. And also the notion is that the righteousness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in us in our potential is something that can be tapped into rather than if it doesn't, then obviously the level of misguidance that we can also create with our own hands is something that, um, you know, requires a very practical and real, uh, you know, protocol strategy and the standard. And that's why, if you think about all of the righteous people in our lives that we look up to and admire, uh, like, for example, you don't look too far. Like, for example, your grandmother, uh, she always reads the Quran or like a grandfather that, mashallah, is always doing dhikr or someone that's always in the masjid. And we admire them um, for the fact that they have like this old mushaf that's torn and they've had, they have that relationship with the Quran um, or someone that prays to hajjid, like, mashallah, every night and they don't miss it. Uh, the idea here is that it's one thing to have aspirations to be like them and another thing to have active aspirations and actually do it. And that's the, the difference here in living up to your potential. There's some person, the difference between a person that, um, you know, aspires and, and has wishful thinking and a difference between someone that actually goes and follows through with it. What is the secret behind that, right? That's, that's the ac active discussion that we usually have. And one way to understand that kind of potential is that uh, every single major, um, you know, keeping the habits uh, or self-development or personal development book, um, or even a person who is known as a life coach uh, like Tony Robbins and others, they will all tell you that for you need for you to build a habit, you need to have up with that habit. So there's there's either the reward that's going to push you or the pain of of, of the consequence. So one of these two things, um, and. The reason for that is because in your own body, in your own you know, physiological state, 
when you achieve something and you are rewarded or you feel there's a sense of reward, it triggers dopamine, of ha- which in your body triggers happiness. And setting a reward for yourself is one way to um, make or create happiness for achieving habits. And that's why they say either you, you have a reward and if you're not, if you're not fulfilling your ha- uh, that particular habit that you want to build, and it's not um, you know, get, becoming a habit, it's because the reward is not great enough in your mind. Uh, so they said you have to have a bigger reward. And that essence is, okay, sometimes it has to become a physical reward where you're physically rewarding mm-hmm. yourself and eventually will become spiritual. But in the, in the onset, when people, for example, struggle with something in faith and they don't find a sense of reward in it, then what eventually happens is that they may just give it up because they don't find it, you know, unfortunately, that level of happiness or contentment that they're looking for, i.e. the reward. Whereas if they build a, a physical reward, eventually what, what happens is that they find meaningful uh, spirituality if they only tap into that potential of, of, of the, their constancy in it. But it requires that element of, okay, what's, the, what's in it for me? What's the reward factor? In the beginning, it might be tangible, but in the end, it will become spiritual. And then the other factor if the reward isn't going to motivate you as much, then it's pain. That's why Ibn al-Qayyim says sometimes the pain of consequence will drive a person to come near to their Lord more than the sin itself. So the idea that a person feels estrangement or distance, it's kind of like an example, rudimentary example. If you were to have, um, if you were, to, you know, for when we were young and your parents knew you did something wrong and and you knew that your parents knew that you did something wrong. They just kind of give you like the parental eye, right? They just look at you. <laughs> and you know, you know that the fact that you've disappointed them is actually worse than the fact that they knew th- that they knew you did something wrong. And that's similar, you know, Ta'ala Allah, Allah has a higher example from, from these kind of examples. But the idea is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sometimes letting a person go go through with whatever they're in in terms of misguidance or, or or sin and knowing that them not finding a sense of contentment in it is a is a big enough consequence that them being distant from Allah is a big enough consequence for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to just leave them alone. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says one of the greatest forms of actually consequence in the Quran is Nasullah Ansahum Anfusahum. They forgot Allah so Allah made them forget themselves. In the essence that when people find a sense of chaos in their life and there's no direction, things are murky, decision-making is, is all over the place, that is actually a bigger consequence for a person to reflect on than this punishment that, that needs to be you know, um, given because of a sins that are committed. A lot of people, like, they, they don't reflect on that. So the fact that Ibn al-Qayyim says that there's a void in a person's heart that nothing can fill except the companionship of Allah, no matter how much materialism you put in there, it won't, you will never find a sense of contentment and fulfillment. So that pain of not accomplishing something is sometimes the other factor of helping us to overcome and to fulfill our potential. Inshallah, great um, advice and a lot of content to really break down. Um, and if we could um, really dispel it out for our listeners, I think that you, you spoke to a few great points. And I think the first one was, um, the idea that we should be proud to aspire to have those aspirations and and those that we admire, whether it be a grandparent or a mentor or somebody that you look up to, um, 
and in, in the in the spiritual elements of life right and to really um, not just say oh I wish I could be like that or I wish I could um, one day soon that could happen but really taking the correct steps to make that happen so if you feel like you want to be a person that uh, truly um, has that you know, worn out Mus'haf, that worn out Qur'an, then maybe um, pull up your Qur'an every day and really work through it. And so it's more than just um, admiring and it's more than just hoping, but it's actually taking steps to make that happen.